Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Our focus has been at DR, we want to grow, right? We always want to be growing, but we want to hear from, we want to hear from our Father and we want to respond. We had this series where we were gathered as, uh, as both locations here, and we kind of had the vision series that we were talking about. We want to grow in our relationships with God, right? We want to grow in our relationship with him, which is up. We want to grow in community, and we also want to go outward, right? We want to be able to grow in who we are in Christ, and we want to grow in who we are in the body, and we want to see the kingdom advanced more. And so these are the areas of focus, and so we want to be growing as disciples, and as disciples of Jesus, we want to grow in becoming disciples who then make disciples, multiplying disciples to see more people's lives change for the kingdom. Amen? So today, as a segue, I suppose, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God as we've been going through these parables. So today, I get to, I'm going to be teaching on the parable of the mustard seed. You've likely heard this parable in the past. It's a very short parable. It's one of the parables where Jesus explains what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom, if you, look in the, if you look in the New Testament, if you look in the Gospels, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are often interchanged. So same thing. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. So the goal of this morning is to get clarity about what the kingdom is, right? what the kingdom of, of heaven is, what our role as the body and individuals is in the kingdom. And why did Jesus talk about the kingdom so much? Because he talked about it so often. He was focused in what he came here to do, and that was to announce the arrival of the kingdom of heaven and to bring others into the kingdom so that his kingdom can be established, right? So let's pray, and then I'll read our text. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can gather here to hear your word, and to proclaim your goodness and worship in song. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to sing together of your goodness and proclaim your goodness. I ask today that through the reading of your word, through diving into this parable, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage, and that you would convict, and that you would challenge, and that you would bring clarity to how you operate and what our role is in your kingdom. And I want to say thank you that we are, that you've invited us into your kingdom. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that your word would become alive and that you would speak this morning. Amen. So we're going to be reading in Matthew 13, 31 through 32. If you have your Bibles, you can open up or you can follow up there. I think it's going to be up there. So this is the parable of Jesus. Now, this is Jesus speaking. He said, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So that's it. Two verses talking about the kingdom. I think Shannon's going to speak next week on the following verse. So if you want to get ahead, you can read about the, the parable of leaven. So here Jesus comes, and he, so Jesus comes to earth, and his, the big idea is this. He comes announcing the kingdom of heaven right out of the gate. When you see he gets, when he gets baptized by John the Baptist in Matthew 4, 
John the Baptist was sort of heralding the arrival of Jesus who was coming in, and John the Baptist's message was, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. And then Jesus came, and we have that passage where he goes and he gets, ba he gets baptized by John the Baptist, and we see this powerful thing happen where the heavens open, and God speaks and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. We talk about this often, and it's worth repeating. So it's worth repeating that God speaks about who Jesus is, giving him his identity and proclaiming to everyone, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, before Jesus goes and does anything. Right? So the Father's pleasure was high on Jesus before he even started his ministry. Note that God's pleased with you already before you do anything for the kingdom. Amen? So God speaks to his son and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus goes into the desert. We have this whole scenario where he's tempted. Right? The enemy comes after him and attacks his identity right away. That's another sermon for, a different, for another day. But right after that, he comes out and says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So the first thing Jesus says as he comes into, do, into proclaiming his public ministry is saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. I am bringing in the kingdom of heaven. So he's so focused in what his purpose was and why he came. He's obsessed with the kingdom of heaven. He's obsessed with it. So it's good for us to pay attention when we're looking through Scripture and we see what the kingdom of heaven is and what it's about. And so right after Jesus proclaims that the kingdom is coming, the very next thing that he does is call his disciples. We see this in Matthew 4. He's walking along and he says, hey, he sees people fishing and he says, listen, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So he announces the kingdom and then acts right away and says, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Almost as if to show that the kingdom will be established through discipleship. The kingdom will be established through discipleship. So Jesus knows who his target is. He knows what his mission is. He knows what his goal is. His father has already said, I'm your, you are my son, I'm pleased with you, get to work. Jesus starts bringing in the kingdom, right, by pursuing the people that he would pour his life into who would then bring the kingdom to bear. Okay? So we see this. The kingdom, by the way, just as a side note, the kingdom shows up over 151 times in the New Testament. It shows up 100 times in the Gospels, right? The church is the outpouring of the kingdom of God coming, right? Jesus mentions, the, the, the new, in, the, in the Gospels, the, the church is mentioned twice, but the kingdom is mentioned a hundred times. So we want to be about what Jesus is speaking about. We want to be about the kingdom. We want to be about the business of the kingdom. We want to have the mindset of the kingdom. So we want to align ourselves with what Jesus is saying is important, which is the kingdom. So he announces the arrival of the kingdom. I had this crazy thought as I woke up this morning. And um, it's going to be silly. But so I'm, it's kind of mysterious, right? It's, it's mysterious for Jesus to come and talk about the kingdom. And this, and this parable, which I'll get into shortly, it, it, he talks about this mystery of the, the, the kingdom being like, like a man who sows a mustard seed, this small seed. And it grows up into a large plant. And the significance of that is that it's not what you would expect that's not how you would expect the kingdom to get built. It's, it's from an insignificant 
growth that it happens. It's a way that is countercultural to the way that kingdoms were built, right? Using might and force and political persuasion or military force, right? That's how the, so the kingdom of God gets established differently. So when Jesus is speaking to his people, he's saying, this is the kingdom. They're like, what? Who are you? You don't have any power. It was like he was from another planet or another world. So I woke up because I watch a lot of Marvel movies. I woke up in the morning because of my kids. I woke up this morning. This is silly. Well, yeah. No, honestly, I'd like to say that that was cute. It really is. I really wouldn't watch Marvel movies otherwise because I don't get them. Except now I'm like getting this image of like the kingdom of heaven that Jesus speaks of. And you start to think about like Thor or uh, coming from Asgard, I think. And you think about like the collision of these outer worldly creatures coming in who, you know, Thor is this powerful dude who's got like, he has a kingdom that he oversees. And there's this clash, right? So where like the kingdom of Thor meets like the kingdom of Earth and he's out of sorts, right? But there's these really cool scenes. I can't identify any specific one, but there's really cool scenes where you see it kind of come together, right? And it, bam, and you're like, and when you see Thor walking around, everyone's kind of looking at him like, who is this guy? But he walks with a certain confidence, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Who's seen Thor? Everyone, almost. No? Okay. So um, I'm not going to explain it. For those of you that get it, great. For other, it's not that important. But the idea is that like, this kingdom that, God is, that Jesus is heralding is from another world. It's the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. Yes, God created our earth, but this was a temporary version of what heaven was going to be, right? And so I love the picture of Jesus coming and saying, hey, here's the kingdom. This is what it is. And we're like, yeah, tell us. We want to know what it is. He's like, it's like a seed being planted in the ground. They're like, ah, we were kind of hoping for something bigger than that. We were hoping for more power. We were hoping for more more dynamics, right? Because the, the, they were used to the, the Roman Empire being powerful, right? And there was visual displays of the might and the power of the Roman Empire, right? But Jesus comes and says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man who goes and sows a mustard seed. And it's significant that it's one of the smallest of all the seeds, but it grows up. So what Jesus' approach towards building the kingdom that we take note in is he's pouring himself into people. He pours himself into 12 men who are his disciples, and that's his means for building the kingdom. And the kingdom is about people. The kingdom is people. Jesus came. Why did he come? He came to seek and to save the lost and to invite people into his kingdom, right? He was clear on that. So as he's here, he's clear in pursuing people. So our role, if we're to be about the, the nature and the business of the kingdom of heaven, is to what? Pour ourselves into people. To see their lives impacted by the kingdom. To see Jesus change their life. To see Jesus give them a new identity. To give you a new hope. To give you a belonging. Right? The kingdom is about belonging. It's about a people being invited into God's family. And it starts small. It started small. When Jesus came, he start, it started small with his people. And people didn't understand that. Right? 
It's so insignificant that when Jesus came in John, the Jesus came, he was from Nazareth, right? And in John, they'd say, Jesus is from Nazareth? And they even questioned, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? And there's an artist that says, well, the only good came from Nazareth, right? So the only good, Jesus came from Nazareth, an insignificant place from an insignificant family, and he was bringing in the kingdom of God, and he's invited us into it. That should give us hope. That should give us joy. That should give us joy. So the, king, this, the thing about the kingdom of heaven is that it's not, like I just said, it's not like a kingdom from earth. It's otherworldly. And so we sometimes get so stuck in our thinking of how things go, and we have the audacity to compare how things, like Beth was saying, our experiences, right, with what God's intent is, and they couldn't be further from each other oftentimes. Where we let what we've seen and the brokenness of earthly kingdoms, if you look through the history of humanity and all the kingdoms that were built, right, most times the kingdoms are built as one empire takes over another people group. And they don't welcome them into family. They destroy everybody, right? That's not how the kingdom of heaven is. That's not Jesus' kingdom. He comes and welcomes. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. I want to invite you in to be part of the heavenly family. Who wants that invitation? I do. I want that invitation. So he starts with 12 disciples. He pours himself into these men. It's significant to note this. So the kingdom of God will not be stopped. You, all of us, we are living in the result of the kingdom come. Right? Like we know who Jesus is because of Jesus proclaiming the kingdom over 2,000 years ago and using 12 men that he poured himself into. The kingdom was supposed to end. It wasn't supposed to go on. If you look in earthly terms, 11 of the 12 disciples, or 12, different commentators speak differently about this, or let's say 10, 10 of the 12 disciples were killed and martyred. Only John, from what I could understand, lived and died of old age. It should have ended back then, but it didn't. The kingdom should have ended. If it was an earthly kingdom, it should have ended, but it didn't. It's about that so it's not might of like military but it is but don't be confused it is one of power amen is one of power the power to change lives and to give hope and to invite and to restore so jesus pours into 12 men and the kingdoms of that time do everything they can to stop this 10 or 11 of these men are killed they're martyred. But yet the kingdom moves on. The church is established. And through adversity over the, over the centuries, it's still moving forward. And we look at today, we're, like I said, we're living in the outcome of the kingdom. And we look around the landscape here in the U.S. today, and we might think, how are we doing? You look in Europe and the decline of the, of the Protestant evangelical church, you think, I think the kingdom's dying. Not so much. All throughout the world, evangelicalism and Christianity is exploding. 
it's exploding. If you look over the next 20 years, and what there was, a, I'm sorry, the next 40 years, the explosive growth of the church will be in areas that you didn't expect it because we're so stuck in our American world. We think that everything is about us all the time, right? We're like less than 4% of the whole world's population. But the kingdom is advancing in places where you wouldn't expect. In Muslim nations, the kingdom is advancing. Sub-Sahara, Southeast Asia, right? We see the kingdom advancing in crazy numbers. We need to see that God is at work and be about his bigness, business about a bigger level than just us right here. Amen? That's encouraging to me when I, because it's, it's discouraging sometimes, right? When we sit, if we're here in the States and we see what's happening and we complain and we say things like, we're losing our cultural relevancy and just whine about it instead of acting and doing something with power in the name of Jesus. I mean, like, man, you don't need to give me a public platform. I'm going to have my body and my life and my family and my church community be the thing that shows a different way. Amen. We don't, there's this, this, this thing that we do sometimes where we, where we say it was, a bet, it was better a different way or it was better at a different time. Can we stop that? Can we stop that? Can we see that God is at work beyond what we see? Can we see that God is at work and calling people who have no other hope? You know why sometimes I think we don't get it here is because we have so many options. We have so many options and so many distractions, and we think, well, maybe this will work, or maybe that will work, or maybe if I just self-actualize with this job or this education or this family or this career move or whatever, or I'll move from one city to the next or whatever it is. We have so many options rather than do we only have Jesus as our hope? Do we only have the power of the Spirit as our fuel? Right? That's why it's growing in places where there's adversity, that's where it's going with, in places where you wouldn't expect, like the mustard seed that you wouldn't expect to grow up and be the powerful plant in the garden, right? The kingdom of God is advancing with power, with power. Who wants to be part of that? I do. Because going to church is boring, absent of power, right? And I said going to church on purpose because guess what, church? We don't go to church. We are the church, Amen. We, this is just us gathered for worship and for teaching, and there's some fellowship, there's some community. We come to hear the word proclaimed and to worship together. That's the goal. We are the church. And what, is, what, is, what does it say? What, is, what, is the, what does the Bible say about the church? Is it gonna, is, it's going to make it. The gates of hell will not prevail. They will not prevail. Sometimes we think that they are. We have to adopt a kingdom mindset. We have to remember it's not just about our 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years that we have here, right? We need to have our minds aligned with the things of the kingdom, set our minds on things above where Christ is, amen? But we get stuck. We get stuck in our small thinking. We get stuck thinking, well, I don't know if that will work, right? We're like pragmatic to a fault, right? The kingdom of God will not be stopped. I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. I want to be in on it, right? So we see this. I saw this. I had this uh, great experience. When you see, well, sometimes it does, unfortunately, take us getting out of our own local context sometimes. It doesn't have to, but it's encouraging sometimes to be humbled 
by the church worldwide. So I, I had the, the great uh, uh, blessing, I guess, if you will, to travel to Ecuador earlier in the year to be part of a team that was teaching and instructing other pastors. And this was wild. So we're in Ecuador, we're up in the mountains, and these like 20 pastors or so were gathered for a week of like training and teaching and encouragement. And they come a couple times a year, and there's this kind of training center set up specifically for the instruction and the de developing of skills, and you know, so that you can, so that these pastors can go out and do a better job in their local context, encouraging their churches and planting their churches with more, you know, with better training, right? And so I was privileged to be able to go down there because I speak Spanish, and I got to be able to teach with, with this tribe of these, you know, there's 20 families or 20 pastors who've been coming. And um, at the end, so it was really great. There was a great week of instruction, and I got to hang out with some of the pastors and, you know, in between at meals and stuff and got to know these guys. And the, the hunger for the word was, was humbling to me. It was humbling to me. These guys are going out. There's this one guy from Cuba. He was, uh, this, is, this blows my mind. So he was from Cuba as a missionary in Ecuador. To, he was planting a church in Ecuador. And the, so at the end, and he was so great. His whole family were there. And there was, I was so encouraged to see their tenacity and their single-mindedness with the establishment of the kingdom. And I was encouraged and I was humbled. And what was even further humbling was at the end of the five days of instruction, these guys all had homework to do and they had like reports to write on like their follow-up, you know, like they had to turn it into the person who was kind of facilitating it. This woman comes out and she's, I'm just watching this. It's like a room like maybe half the size. This woman walks out and she's got this like cardboard box on her shoulder. She sets it down and she sets out all these books on the table. I, these guys lost their minds. All, all these pastors just like run up to the table and, and there was a bunch of books that were going to be there for the people who were part of this, like, pastor cohort. And there are books that, like, you and I probably have 17 copies of at our house, like Lee Strobel, Case for Christ. Great book, but nothing like, whoa. These guys were like, there was like, whoa. Like, like, it was like their drug. Like, I got to get this thing. And I even joked to the guy, right? And I was like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, what is this? He's like, and he, I kid you not, this might be crude. I, I, he, go, he goes, listen, he grabs these books. He had the Bible in one hand. He's like... That's what this is. <laughs> I got to get my fix. I was like, wow. That's humbling to me. That's humbling to me. You know why? Because I got about 1,000 books that I haven't even ever read before. I have access to my Bible in 17 different ways, right? And guess what? It's still a chore for me to get out of bed to go make time to meet with it, with the creator, right? But these guys are hungry. They're hungry for the word, and they're hungry for resources that will sharpen them to be able to proclaim the kingdom with better clarity. That's humbling to me because they get it. They see the kingdom of God advancing, and they're like, I want to be armed. Are you bringing something to me that will encourage my soul so that I can consume it with my Bible open and this interpretation? Like, I'm going to get at this, and I want to see people saved because they have no other hope. We have no other hope. Problem is, we are living under this illusion that we have other hope. It's an illusion. So where is your hope in? Is your hope in the kingdom? Is your hope in the kingdom? This beautiful, beautiful ending to this parable is that the mustard seed grows up and becomes a tree, and the birds of the air make their nests in the tree. 
I couldn't find a lot of clarity on this, but my first thing, as I was praying about this, I'm like, Lord, what is the tree? Well, the, sh- the tree can provide shade and also a place for these birds to nest. So the outcome of the kingdom is that it advances and people and all of creation is blessed by the work of the kingdom. The birds made their nest in this tree and were safe. So the outcome of the kingdom advancing is that all creation is blessed. All of humanity is blessed by the kingdom of heaven. Do we believe that? So if the church, if we as the church, if we get this, we should have a mind that goes and says, listen, I'm not of this world. I have a God and a king who loves me, who's given me a home, a place, a belonging, and an identity. And now, out of that identity, I got work to do, and it's valuable, right? So it's valuable, and the work that you do should be, so this is a trendy thing, but it should be so that all may flourish. And the attractiveness of the kingdom is shown in how it grows. And what you do in your work and what you do in your day is attractive to the world because of how you do it. And it's a demonstration of God's goodness in how you live your life. The simple things that you do, going to work, practicing excellence, serving your coworkers and not being grumpy, right? And not being cynical and not being critical and saying, I am a messenger of the kingdom. I am here to serve. I've been so greatly served. I've been so greatly loved. How can I serve? How can I love? How can I make your life better because my life has been made better because I'm part of the kingdom? I have a home. I have a belonging. I have a place. I have a mission, right? So we, as believers, should be the ones that are making space and creating culture that's attractive and Life-changing, right? We shouldn't, be the, we shouldn't be the ones who are reacting to culture all the time who are saying, that's bad, that's bad, that's good, that's bad, that's good. I'll make some you know, reinterpretation of something that's secondary that's not as good as what the world does, but I'll slap a label on it that says it's Christian and it'll be inferior. You know, like We should be about the business of improving our culture. right? I saw a great example of this, going back to Ecuador again. After we were after we were done teaching, we spent the city, we spent a day in the city. We bumped into this gal because we stood like sore thumbs. But we bumped into this other gal who was from the U.S. and she's like, "Oh, what are you guys doing here?" I'm like, "Oh, well, we're just down here teaching, or whatever." And she's like, "I bet you're a missionary kid. That's why you speak Spanish." I'm like, "What the?" You know, she had me. Di- I'm like, well, "What do you do?" She's like, "Oh, I work for this not you know this nonprofit in Washington D.C. for religious freedom for the Baha'i community." I go, "Interesting." She's like, "Yeah, I see a lot of Christians in my work in D.C." Really. What do you think? You know, she's like, well, some of them are interesting. This is a woman who has her position is to like see more religious freedom throughout the world, specifically for her, for her people, if you will. And I said, have you ever heard of International Justice Mission? I was just testing this, right? This is where Kirsten and Tracy just traveled with them to India. And she's like, oh, yes. They are, the, they are known throughout the faith community and the, not faith, and the non-faith community as being the leaders in anti-human trafficking. I didn't say it, she did. I was like, wow, really? She's like, yeah, they're known for that. So I went back, she was an attorney, so I went back to my room and I'm like, I gotta figure out who this lady is. So I'm like, it took me three seconds because you know she was very specific. This woman was on President Obama's council for um, 
religious freedom. And I was like, wow, this lady, this, this is what we just kind of bumped into. And she had, she had like a positive view of the church because of what she had seen organizations doing in the name of Jesus for their good. Amen? That's powerful. That's a great example. That's not the only one, but that's a great example, right? And I believe that as Christ is elevated, all other options will diminish. Amen? So if we, right? So if we are like, I'm going to get at this. I'm going to see, we want to see, we want to work toward people being freed from slavery. And how, I'm like proud of this organization. I want to pray for their sustainment, right? If that's a word that they would continue to flourish because I can only imagine that the enemy is like, I, 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 I'm going to make you guys fall. I'm going to attack you guys because if, if the world is speaking highly of you and the work that you're doing is kingdom-based, then you know that you're going to start get, get attacked. But I was encouraged by that. So what are we doing? What, what tree are you, are you planting so that the cre- all of creation can be blessed by and find its home in and find rest in? Okay? I'm excited about that idea. So, the kingdom starts from a small mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds. But when it grows, it becomes the largest in the garden. So the kingdom grows. The kingdom grows through the simple act of making disciples. Of making disciples. Our role is to continue that. So what are we doing? How are we doing is the way that you're spending your time, is the way that you're spending your money, is the way that you're spending your emotions aligned with the values of the kingdom. You can learn a lot about somebody by what they get angry about. Like, you know me, I don't like pets and dogs because I get angry all the time about pet shit all the time. It's the most embarrassing thing. I just had another story where that happened the other day, right? <laughs> and it's always so humbling, right? It's like, you know, oh, man, like, you... You know, but like, what are the things that we get the most angry about? And what are the things, do we, we get angry about petty things, right? We get angry about petty things. What are the things that delight us? What do we do in our spare time? What do we do? Where do our minds go when they wander? Do they go to building the kingdom or do they go to building our own kingdom? Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. You are building a kingdom, whether you like it or not. You are part of kingdom building whether you acknowledge it or not. You're either building the king's kingdom and you're part of his work of seeing the kingdom advance and adopting more people into the family of Christ, or you're building your own kingdom. There's no two ways about it. So whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? You're building, it's like worship, much like worship. There's this confusion sometimes about worship. We are all worshipers. It's just a matter of what we're worshiping and who we're worshiping. We worship self. We worship comfort. We worship security, right? We worship all these things, and God asks us to redirect. No, worship me. I've created you to worship, and I'm longing for your worship. Similarly, right, similarly, right, we are building someone's kingdom. You are building someone's kingdom, and you're either doing a really, you're, you're, we might be, I'm doing a very poor job of building my own kingdom because that's not what I was put here for. I have a purpose. You have a purpose. Our body has a purpose. So what does it look like for us as a body of believers who get that we're part of God's family and that we have a purpose? What does it look like for Damascus Road five years from now, ten years from now, right? I've said this before, but we, 
that we tend to overestimate what we'll accomplish in one year, but underestimate what we can accomplish in five years or a lifetime. I'm going to get all this done. Three months later, you're like, I haven't done anything, right? Whose kingdom are you building, and do you have the long view? Do you have the long view? When Jesus is talking, when he talks about the mustard seed, he was taking the long view, the multi-generational, multi-centuries. Does any of what's happening in the world surprise him right now? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right? He had the long view towards kingdom building. And it wasn't like the kingdom building of the political forces that we're familiar with. Right? I did a little bit of just cursory research on it. I'm just looking through like the, the kingdoms of the, of the world, right? And it, was, and it showed the dates. I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but you're like, yeah, this lasted from like 1342 to, you know, 15, whatever. And, you know, they all have a beginning and an end. Guess what? The kingdom of God has no beginning and no end. Amen? Whose kingdom are you building? Are you investing in people? Are you doing the things in your life that you need to do to be able to be about the kingdom business? A verse that has been haunting me, haunting me in the last year was this, Hebrews 13, 7. The author of Hebrews is writing to the church, and he says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So, I don't often like to think of, of like positional leadership, but I have a role here, right? I'm a leader. The author of Hebrews would say, hey, consider the life of your leaders. Watch them. Oh, that is scary to me. That puts the fear of God in my bones. I'm not kidding you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. It doesn't say, consider what they say. That'd be easier. It says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I ask myself, is my way of life worth considering and is my faith worth imitating? I don't know. That's why it haunts me. As the body, if you consider your way of life, is your faith worth imitating? Because the outcome of the seed being planted is the kingdom and the church. We are living in the outcome of Jesus' proclamation and heralding of the kingdom. Amen? So if the outcome of Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom is the church worldwide, and we are participating in that, that's the outcome, right? What's the outcome of your life going to be? Will people be able to look at you and be like, yes, I want to imitate your life. I see the outcome of not what just you're saying, but how you're living. And what you're saying and what you're living are in alignment with the values of the kingdom. I want to imitate that. That's what discipleship is, imitating. The disciples followed Jesus, and what did they do? They did what he did. They did what he did. They followed what he did, and they passed that on to their followers, and they passed it on to their followers. What impact will you have? What impact does your life's outcomes have for the kingdom? Consider that. Consider that. 
don't be discouraged. We have a good, loving father. I get discouraged. So that verse haunts me, right? <gasps> but then I, slip into the, and then I slip into the values of the kingdom of earth, which is fear and anxiety and scarcity. Right? But the kingdom values are one of love and adoption, right? The kingdoms of earth, when a kingdom goes into another place, and we keep it vague and nebulous, right? When, they, when one kingdom advances on another, those people in the kingdom become their subjects and oftentimes their slaves. The principles of the kingdom of heaven is that when the kingdom of heaven comes, you're adopted as children into family. That's a little different than being a slave, amen? That's a little different. So we are adopted into family, and we have work to do. And just like God spoke to Jesus, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Hear this today, church. If you know the love of the Father, he, you're a child, and he's well pleased, and he has work for you to do in the kingdom. You have a purpose. You have a purpose to see people and to pour into them. That is the purpose of the kingdom. Amen? Corinthians says, this is not a kingdom of talk, but of power. Of power. I want to live in that power. So, in closing, as dearly loved children of the king, how are we living? Are we living like we're dearly loved children of the king? Is that our primary identity? One last story. I'd maybe shared this already, but ran into a guy I hadn't seen in a number of years. We were on our way to like this show. Like, hey man, remind me your name again. He tells me his name. And I'm like, what do you do again? He goes, oh, I'm a, uh, so I'm a father to, says his kids' names, and I'm a husband to, and I'm like, what, what'd you just say? I asked you what you did, and you tell me, you told me who you are. I was like, I just want to know where you work, pal. And here you're like dropping some like heavenly wisdom on me. He's like, I'm a father and a husband. I'm a son of the king. And it wasn't scripted. I'm like, thank you. He knew who he was. Do we know who we are? Do we know who we are? Do we know that we have a purpose and a role in the kingdom? Do we know that it's a lot more simple than we make it out to be? And yes, there's distraction. Yes, amen. Thank you, because I need it simple, right? It's a lot more simple than we make it out to be. And yes, there's distractions. And yes, there's, our, there's opportunities and temptation to deviate from the ways of the kingdom and to slip into fear and to slip into anxiety and to slip into all these things. But as dearly loved children of the king, you have a place and a purpose. And the outcome of the kingdom being planted from a small seed is the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. Are you in? Are you in? We want to set our minds on things above where Christ is. Know that you're valued. Know that you have a purpose. And know that God loves you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've called us to be part of your kingdom, that you've called us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. So we reject fear and anxiety and doubt. And we, and, we, and we ask you for your help, that we would walk and live in power. And thank you for the simplicity of your gospel. And thank you for your adoption into your family. And I ask, Lord, for your power 
to speak to each one of us to give us clarity around our identity and give us clarity around the purposes that you have for us to grow and to see your church multiplied. So I pray that as we worship and as we take communion today to celebrate what you've done and who you are, we would do it and remember that you've called us to be part of your family and that you will give us everything that we need and that you have and that you will empower us. So Lord, I pray your blessing on your people today. I pray that they will be blessed and filled with power and know their true identity as children of the King and part of your kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.